the, the thing that I'm going to really take away from it, and it's happened a couple times now, is, is I think our team is starting to believe that they can, you know, when they get down, they can still they can still make a game of it, and uh, that's a belief that if you have that, I mean, you're never out of it. So that's that's an important thing that you can take from a game like this. You know, that's uh, that's Bruce Boudreaux, head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. And, and really, just as an aside, what he's talking about, this idea that there's a belief that you can always come back, that's not exclusive to the Vancouver Canucks. You know, it might have been last night in a wildly exciting 7-6 to six Vancouver come from behind victory. You know, it's the end of the first period. It's for Cobb and we're all kind of going, eh. Uh, it seems like just about everybody's checked out of this one, but good for you for sticking with it. And the Vancouver Canucks end up winning this one, overcoming that that deficit but that's really been the story of the entire nhl is lead changes and comebacks how many lead changes did we have in that rangers st louis game yesterday four you know lead changes in boston vegas as well like there's um that is the the theme of the entire nhl third period comeback and continual lean changes and streaks, by the way. And we're going to talk a lot about the St. Louis Blues today, uh, who go on an eight-game losing streak, win seven, and now lost six of their last seven. Um, but yesterday, like, I don't know how to look at yesterday's Vancouver-Montreal game. I'm going to bring in Matt Marchese, our producer here, just in advance of uh, Elliot Friedman standing by on the other side. Um, how do you look at that game? Was that just a game by, uh, played by you know, two very average teams, uh, one of which, you know, only one of which have chosen a direction for their franchise. The other was still, you know, we're still waiting for a direction to emerge, even though we all kind of know which direction eventually they're going to go in. And right now there's an element of, you know, winding your wristwatch on the weight of the electric chair. How did you see last night's Vancouver victory over Montreal, Maddie? Because I don't, I don't know how to look at this one other than it was just a fun hockey game. That that's really it. You you hit it. You hit the nail right on the head. Two average teams, and one of both of which we think we know the directions. Of. One is already decided. The other one is almost certainly decided. But I was thinking about the lead changes just as a whole in the league, Jeff. And the one thing that I keep yeah. coming back to is. I think there are so many lead changes because a teams believe that they can come back, but why do they do that? Because they look at the other team's net and go, "Yeah, we could beat them." I don't. Th- I don't think it's just the net, though. I think they look at the other team's blue line and they look at how um, how offense is being coached a lot more than ever before. We've talked about all these reasons a few, a few different times uh, about you know why we're starting to see more lead changes in games and and comebacks are really are really the story. And listen, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's great. I think we're all saying it's great because you get three full periods of hockey. You know, one of the worst things about the National Hockey League really going right up into the, the lockout of 0405 and then bleeding into the uh, the uh, the salary cap era was there were a lot of times you didn't have to watch three periods. You didn't. And one of the worst things, like there are a couple of things that are awful as a sports organization. Uh, one, I've always felt that it's worse for people to buy tickets and not show up than just buy than than not buying tickets because that's when you have real apathy that's what it comes to ticket buying but when it comes to watching the game like there were plenty of games and not so much you know last season it really began and this season it's hit a new crescendo you know there have been plenty of games that we've looked at and said eh, you know what this thing was really over halfway through the second or you know what, by the time we got to the third period, this thing was over and I didn't, and here's the payoff that teams hate, have to watch anymore. 
The interesting thing about the game now, no matter what the lead is, no matter who the teams are, you can't say that based on what we've seen this season. Again, with lead changes, with streaks, and with comebacks, it's to me, it's the story in the NHL as far as on the ice goes. Just how now, for the first time since I can't remember when, Maddie, you have to watch three periods of every game because comebacks happen every single... And it doesn't matter how many pucks. You know, once upon a time, remember it was, it was going into the second period, going into the third period, eh, this team's got a two-goal lead, it's over. We all know how to sit on a game and maybe the other team's going to squeak one by, but generally this thing is over. Maddie, you don't say that thing anymore. You don't say that at all anymore about this NHL. No, you don't. And and I and it's almost it's almost since the NHL partnered with um, gambling companies that this has all changed. And I'm not saying that there's any sort of conspiracy. Oh, but, but, Maddie. But here we but go. What Hot take time. All right. <laughs> no, no, no. There, there's no conspiracy here. It's just it's really like as someone who does as someone who does uh, drop a couple yeah. of shekels on games. Um, yeah. You almost never bet the under because that would be foolhardy i there one game in particular it was san jose and florida and i had under six and a half the game was two nothing for florida going into the third period and i went to bed and said okay i've won this bet and they scored five (laughs) goals i think in the third period and i went oh my god like what happened here but that's like every night that something like that is happening not in every game but I'm like we are seeing an incredible number of goals and late in the game, and I can't I can't say yeah. that any of the TV partners would be um, disappointed by that because, like you said, it keeps eyeballs on the game. And you know what, Jeff? I think that this is the absolute mm. best thing that's happened to the NHL in the last ten years because I think that people are going to get mm. more excited for watching even just regular season hockey because last year we saw in the Eastern Conference the playoffs were decided by January. And now it's it's not yeah. like no, that. It's There's great. lots of races, and it's all open. I love it. It's almost like the point we're getting with basketball, where you just have to watch the last few minutes. Now you just have to watch the last period because that's when all the action uh, takes place and all the comebacks happen. Uh, lots to get to today. We'll talk about the return of Paul Maurice to Winnipeg. Um, we'll talk to the uh, we'll talk to Jason Bukala about uh, hiring European coaches, and Elliot Friedman's on the other side. Welcome to the show today. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Ken Weeb coming up at the bottom of the hour. As I mentioned, Jason Bukala kicks off hour two. Thomas Drantz uh, from Canucks Talk and The Athletic will walk us through from his perspective what it was that we saw last night between Vancouver and Montreal. And if you went to bed after the first period, shame on you. One thing we know about the NHL is now... Don't go to bed after the first period. Uh, Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts joins me now. Hello, Fridge. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, or afternoon, good morning, depending on where you are. Hello. <laughs> you okay today, bud? Eating a little bit of space cake for breakfast? <laughs> it, it, it's been, it was a late night last night. I was writing, so I'm a little uh, off today, yeah. A little, little bit punchy after the, uh, the evening of writing. Well, for, first of yeah. all... I want to get the good news. I want to get the good news story out of the way before we jump in with a couple of things from last night. Great to see Chris Letang skating this morning. Yes. Like, outstanding to watch Chris Letang skating uh, in advance of his teammates yesterday for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that's a good thing, considering what you know we were you know, talking about last week and the stroke, etc., and how it's happened before. And listen, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to speculate about any of it. All I know is it was awesome seeing Chris Letang skating. 
I don't like to use the term, you know, warrior or things like that very, very often, but that guy battles, man. That guy really, really battles, and that guy still has a, has a fire. Like, I don't think we've ever seen a moment where Latang hasn't faced an obstacle and tried to jump over it, or, you know, whether it's uh, against another team, or in this case, against himself and his health. That guy... We all talk about players that have fire, even into their you know middle thirties. The tank's got fire still, Fridge. Well, I don't think anybody should be surprised. Uh, you know, we talked about last week that the rumor was he wanted to play last Tuesday, which was against Carolina, which was the day after he suffered the stroke, and and they basically told him, uh, "You're not doing that. We have to protect you from you." Uh, you know, the Penguins did yeah. say that it wasn't as serious it appeared uh, as the last one, and the last one was two months. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll see when this ends up happening. But I would bet, and this is just purely my opinion, but I would bet that, you know, remember they play the outdoor game at Fenway. I got to think, now it's still three weeks away, but I got to think he's going to want to be playing by that at the latest, at the latest. Yeah. That would be great uh, if he was healthy enough to uh, to get into that game. Hopefully, even before that. All right. So, just talking to Maddie off the top, I have I have no idea what to make of that Vancouver Montreal game that I watched last night. Seven uh, six is the final. Four nothing after the first period of play. The big hit, Shannon Slavkovsky, and you know then uh, you know Arbor Jacki, your guy comes in there to to fight Luke Shen. Um, yep. Pedersen with the OT winner. I don't think it was lost on anybody. Everyone's quick to point it out that it was uh, Michael Matheson that he un- undressed, who you know years ago broke his ankle uh, when he was playing with the Florida Panthers. How, how did you? Because I don't know what any of it means. I'm sort of starting to lose all context for Vancouver Canucks games. I'll talk to Drancer about this in an hour or two. But how did you see that one? Other than the way that I saw, which was that was just a fun hockey game to watch. Yeah, it was fun chaos. It really was good entertainment. Um, you know, I, I, when it was 4 nothing at the intermission, you're kind of wondering who comes out for Vancouver in the second period. Like, is Besser traded in the intermission? Yeah. You know, what else, is, what else are they up to? Uh, it, yeah. it, I was joking. It was so rough in that game last night for Vancouver that they put Jerry Dion in the second intermission with Murph because they didn't <laughs> want to talk about the game. Just tell some jokes. Tell us some jokes, Jerry. All right, Jerry. We need you. Bail us out here. <laughs> He's a hilarious guy. Anyway, um, you know, it was, it was a great game. I mean, what can, you tell, what, what can I tell you? It was great hockey to watch. It was entertaining. Um, you know, and uh, again, like full marks to the, full marks to the Canucks. Like, they, you know, they could have lost that game 10-0. They had every excuse not to yeah. play. Um, you know, I, I had people texting me in the first period, like, You've broken the Canucks. I'm like, come on. But I give them a lot of credit. They 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 fought back. Yeah. Um, they they fought back. That was that was a high character win. You know, they had every excuse to fold. And you know, I have to say, I was really impressed by Marty San Luis' reaction. I think you would have seen a lot of coaches, mm-hmm. Jeff, completely lose their yep. minds. Completely lose their minds. Yep. Imagine John Tortorella after that game. You know what what would his reaction have been? And uh, you know, San Luis yeah. takes it as part of the bigger picture, and uh, we'll fix this. And uh, I thought that was pretty impressive, too. You know, the, the thing also, too, Jeff, and you were talking about this the other day, the hockey is so skilled now, and it's it, it, the game has changed so much that I think it actually makes players like Truba and Shen more dangerous. Um, 
You yes. know, I'm not like I'm not as crazy about that behind the net play, uh, but you know, like I, I realize that not everybody hits like people used to, but there are some guys who are still out there. And you know, we we were talking on the podcast this week about Luke Shen's value. You know, that's why Whew. there's going to be a lot of how many phone calls do you think Jim Rutherford's going to get about Luke Shen today? Yeah. Like I, I, I know you know con, considering you know how many teams you know, Luke Shen has, has played for and the successes that he's had and like you know let's not forget it's not as if this guy is 25 years old anymore. Um, yeah. They decide to move Luke Shen, they're going to get a lot, but they're also going to lose a lot if they decide to move Luke Shen. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he's I, I, really I, I, become you know he's 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 stayed in this league long enough that. That is now like the way that he plays is now valued and treasured by every single team in the NHL. To me, the 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 Luke Shen career arc and you know when he's valued and and when he's not and when there's a premium on how he play. Like right now, to that point, there's only a handful of guys that do that. And who wants guys like that, Elliot? Everybody, everybody does. Wants guys like everybody that who's right trying now. to win a Stanley right. Cup does. Absolutely, absolutely, they, everybody they is. And it's pretty obvious he's one of Boudreaux's favorites, too. That well, yeah, I mean, well, what's, and what's why not, not to like? Why not? Yeah, what's not to like? Um, uh, nothing. What do you make of, uh, I want to move on here and talk about uh, Nathan McKinnon and the Avalanche, but real, real quick, through all of this, um, we're seeing some of the best hockey from Pedersen. I know it's a really yeah. tough time to you know, maybe pull out a ton of positives for Vancouver, but he's really playing great. Like, I know all those guys have been given every reason to check out. And listen, even last night when, you know, there's the Montreal, you know, go-habs, go-chance at the rink. And, like, I don't know if there's a question here as much as there's this statement. Right now, Pedersen is playing some fantastic hockey huge. Good for well, him. This is, this is, for sure, 100% I agree with you. And this is the thing that's so crazy about the, the Canucks is that you look at the roster and there are really good players there. There are really good players there. Like, you start with a base of Patterson and Hughes, and that's a great base. And, look, I know all the controversy around Miller. He's still a hell of a player, although he can be better. You know, Horvat's having a great year, although things are not trending in a great direction there. He's still having a great year. Like, there are yep. – and there, there's more. Like, I mean, there are good players on that team. And that's why – you know, I, I think when you look, when I look at the overall picture of the Canucks, I wonder how this all went this direction. But Pedersen has been excellent. There's, there's no question about it. He's been uh, really good. And I think he's also a really good two-way player. He's not just a, we all know about his talent. Mm-hmm. He's not just an offensive player. He's a, he's a tremendous two-way player, too. Okay, um, Colorado drops one to Philadelphia yesterday, 5-3. to three. Good on the Philadelphia Flyers for this one. Um, the Colorado Avalanche in the process lose Nathan McKinnon, so he gets rubbed in the boards by Scott Lawton. Uh, came out and tried to give it a twirl. You could tell on that wrist shot that his something something to do with his ribs or something in that area was really bugging him. He leaves the game. Um, Jared Bednar is saying, you know, this this he, he's going to be out for a bit. So now between... Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Landeskog, Valeri Nachushkin, Arturi Lekkinen, and Evan Rodriguez. The Avalanche have five of their top six forwards out of the lineup. And the last time I checked, Elliot, 
Dallas was really good. Winnipeg was really good. And don't look now, but Minnesota has just won four games in a row. This ain't going to help the Avs, Elliot. So Colorado now has used 22 forwards this year, which seems like an absurdly high number. How, hang so, on, a, how, is it, how many did you say? How many did you say? 22. 22 forwards already this year. <laughs> so the, the great people at Sportsnet Stats, I sent them a note this morning. What's the record? Yeah. And, and they found a team, a Bruins team from the early 90s, I think it was, that used 38 forwards. Right. So think about this. They've used 22 forwards. We're at like 30 games, yeah. not even. And, you know, they're, yeah. they're, ha- they're just past halfway to the record. I mean, it's incredible. Now, I-, I think the Avalanche, and you're right, that division looks really tough. No surprise. Yeah. Uh, I think the Avalanche will try to hold with what they have as much as they can. But, you know, like, they were already looking for a center, Jeff. Um, you know, they're looking yeah. for one. But I think the thing with them was we can wait. You know, we can wait. Uh, we can we can plug the holes. We can give other people like Newhook the opportunities. and But we can wait. And now what I wonder is if that's going to accelerate things. Like the Avalanche say, okay, maybe we can't wait as long anymore. We ha- And we have to go out and get either uh, someone who can just play, like play the position. Like, like you could probably go out and get like a Chris Tierney or something like that. Uh, like Tierney's a guy who, who's been yep. – yeah. He's been in the NHL a long time. He's been in the AHL a chunk this year. But that's like the kind of guy you can get in there. Like, I actually, that was one, one guy I kind of wondered if Columbus might go out and get when they were down centers. Mm-hmm. But you, you could do something like that, or you could find, a, or you could go out and take your big swing. And I think at some point they are going to take a big swing, whether it's Jonathan Taves or Bo Horvat or something like that. I think they are going to do that at some point. But I wonder, do they still wait on that? Or do they start to look now a bit more? Yeah, you know, I, I just wonder how much of it depends on the production of everybody around them. Like, Dallas is playing Toronto yep. tonight. Winnipeg is playing Florida tonight. I mentioned what's happening with, with Minnesota as well. And, you know, this is this is territory right now that we're not used to seeing the avalanche in. When you look at the standings and you don't see them in the top three, now they're still in a wild card position, them and the Oilers. But this isn't this isn't territory that we're used to seeing the avalanche in. So I, I'm with you. I wonder if 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 this pushes things forward. And th- and those you know th- those were the two that I was going to circle to Chicago and Vancouver. Whether we start to you know start to wonder more, or speculate more, or report on more, that the Avalanche may just need to go big game hunting here. That I don't I don't know. If this is a time for band aids as much as this is a time for for some bigger surgery for each. I'm 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 with you on that one. Um, mm-hmm. Vegas Vegas over Boston last night. So the return of Bruce Cassidy, did you see the, yep. the reaction to the video tribute? The reaction yes. to the video yes. tribute yesterday? Yes. Man. Yes. Well, no. you know what happened? Yeah. It, reminded me, it reminded me of Matt Sundin coming back to Toronto and, and when he was a Canuck. And, like, you know that when you're in the middle of it, you don't always know how everybody feels about you, right? Because you, you play there, you yeah. coach there for a long time. And you get criticized, and you probably feel the criticism a lot more than the praise. And the criticism is always louder than the praise. 
Like, like, like Jeff, when we work together, I never say to you, good job. I say, Jeff, that is the stupidest idea I've ever heard. And I say that 35 <laughs> times a year. Like that's, that's how it goes, right? You, you, you don't, we yeah. don't praise people enough, but we sure do bury them. And, and so, and then it, it, when, it, when he left last year, you know, he hears, you know, all oh, the players hated Cassidy and yeah. maybe if he comes back, yeah. Bergeron doesn't play, which Bergeron says is not true. And then Krejci comes back. And as a human being, you can't help but be aware of all of this. So I think part of Cassidy was probably nervous about how it would all. Hmm. And then it goes the way that it usually goes. And that is that most people, they recognize the job you did. It's the thing I say to people all the time. The right people are always watching. And sometimes the noise is louder on the negative, but that doesn't mean that the right people aren't noticing what you're doing. And uh, I thought Mm -hmm. that was great last night. Yeah, you could. You that was could a hell of a game too. For him. That, that, that was that, a hell of a game. You know what? That was a great, a great game. And you know, we wondered. You know, Vegas is without Eichel. You know, the Boston Bruins at home are like the '77 Habs. Like you just can't, you, you can't get anywhere near the Nets. Um, Boston gets a power play in overtime. They're on four on three, which is, you know, considering how the game is played, almost you know as close to an automatic as possible. Yeah, four on three is a goal. All of it. All of it, like Riley Riley Smith with the with the shootout winner here, but the story coming out of this one's Logan Thompson, forty yeah. save performance, and this guy is money in the bank when it comes to shootouts. He is now twenty five for twenty nine all time. That puts him amongst the elite. That is a save percentage of eight sixty two. Uh, now the, I looked this up before I came on the air. The the uh, the best save percentage career in shootouts, minimum forty shots. Interesting, considering Swayman was in that yesterday, is Lena Solmark. The save percentage of eight eighty nine, and then Mark Denis, Columbus, Tampa, Montreal, eight fifty four, and Miko Koskinen, eight twenty nine. And he's a 29, so he hasn't faced 40 shots yet given. But an 862 save percentage, that in, you know, over the course of 60 minutes, ain't that great. But as far as shootouts go, Elliot, that is capital E-leet. Logan Thompson was the V-star last night. E-leet, seven E's, like Phenom. Like Phenom, yeah. You know, the podcast. That's that's excellent. I didn't I didn't realize that. I, I didn't realize his numbers were that good. Fantastic. Good on him. I mean, gonna be a great gonna be a great Calder race this year. There's there's a lot of good candidates out there, and uh, he's in there. And also a reminder, Sean Berkman, that guy's a hell of a coach. Uh, he really is. Uh, absolutely, he uh, he's fantastic. All right, let me ask you about St. Louis. So St. Louis is one of those teams when you talk about we're going streaking. They've been streaking all season long. Uh, there was the mm-hmm. uh, the eight game losing streak, followed by the seven game winning streak. Uh, they lose to the Rangers last night, surrendering three third period goals. There's four lead changes in the game, and now even though it's not a streak, it kind of feels like one. They've lost six of their last seven. They'll face off against Ilya Sorokin and the Islanders tonight. 
if there's a team that feels like the minute you try to define them, it's like grabbing a handful of water. To me, it's the St. Louis Blues. I have no idea who they are for each to you. Well, I watched that one pretty closely last night because that in some ways was the desperation goal. That's the Rangers and the Blues, and that, those are yeah. two teams that really needed it. And, you know, again, for St. Louis, every loss this year, at least two goals. Every single one. And again, at least two night? goals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, I, and obviously there are some empty netters involved, so it's not a real two-goal loss, but it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, an, it's an anomaly. Like, you don't see that. And I think the toughest thing is, is that when the Blues were at their best, they started that game with a third-period lead. They locked it down. They would just lock yeah. it down. You, you weren't coming back from two goals in the third period against the Blues when they were at their best. And, I mean, I mean, the, as badly as that was for them last night, that's how badly the Rangers need it. I, I think with the Blues, it's, it's going to be up to Doug Armstrong. You know, what, is he, what does he want to do here? And I, I think he's kind of had the mentality – that if you have an idea, just reach out to him and he'll consider it. But I, I just think that that's, it's going to be up to him. We know that the year they won the cup, he could have blown that team up and yeah. he didn't. And I don't think this is the same, but I'm not the opinion that counts. His is the opinion that counts yeah. and we'll see what he does. But that's just the thing, though. Like the the last time, like earlier this season, and when they went on that eight game losing streak, there were the howls of you know start firing bodies out the door. Is it going to be O'Reilly or Tarasenko, or is it going to be O'Reilly and Tarasenko? What do you do with this blue line? Did they make the wrong decision on the net mining? And Armstrong again didn't do anything. The Blues rebounded seven games in a row. They rip off a nice little winning streak, and now they're kind of right back to where they were when they were losing again. Like. They've shown that they can turn around and win seven games in a row. They've shown that they can put together. Now it's not going to get any easier tonight against a veteran team led by, you know, arguably the best goaltender in the game right now, Ilya Sorokin. But this yeah. team has showed before they can completely turn things around, which has to be, you know, sort of endlessly frustrating if you're Doug Armstrong. Because to your point, your biggest success happened. Like Stanley Cup happened when you went against your initial instinct to wave guys and trade guys. Um, so if you're saying, I, I, again, like I go back to what you're mentioning about Doug Armstrong, this is a, this is a tough read. Like, I have no idea who this team is. Doug's a lot closer to it, obviously, than I am. He probably has a greater handle. I just don't know what the answer is. Like, I, I have no idea how Doug Armstrong would feel about this St. Louis Blues team that have just, you know, have lost horribly and won spectacularly. Don't know how to read it. No, and through all of it now, there's the Jordan, there's the Jordan Bennington question. I mean, yeah, that 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 shot from the point yesterday. Oof. I mean, and there've been there've been a couple, but now you got the goalie question. Uh, well, I would say that you forgot to mention that grueling Manhattan to Long Island travel on a back to back. You know that that really lines up. <laughs> yes, I know that's a tonight that too. Is a tough one. That uh, is a tough one. Yes. Uh, look, I think this is different. Look, I don't know what he's going to do. He, he plays his cards pretty close to the vest. But I, but I do think this is different. And one of the reasons I think it's different is that Tarasenko is at the end of his contract, and that marriage has been headed for Splitsville anyway. Uh, O'Reilly's at the end of the contract. And, um, you know, I, I, I think while they have a ton of respect 
for, for O'Reilly and for obvious reasons, I think there's a limit on what they're willing to do. And I don't get the sense the yeah. talks have progressed there very far at all. Um, so I do think this is different, Jeff. But, again, mm-hmm. we all know who holds the cards here, and it isn't me. I lost crazy eights to my son okay. last night, so I shouldn't be holding any cards against <laughs> anyone. Yeah, Max, Max is sly, though, man. you gotta, you got to watch that kid. Max is sly. It's cheats. Um, it's cheats. Okay. That's why I love him. Uh, yeah, he, yeah he, he, he learned from the best, his dad. Um, Nassim Kadri with three points for the Calgary Flames. They beat the Arizona Coyotes 3-2. Dan Vladar stopping 18 of 20, so not the biggest, busiest workload. But we've talked a lot about the Calgary Flames and looking for another forward. And I know, you know, when you put that report out about Besser on Saturday and a lot of people in Calgary's ears perked up and the antenna, antennas went up. The, the one thing that I think people are really starting to wonder about, and he's leading the American Hockey League in scoring and he's ripping it up despite the fact that people will point out, well, he's undersized and you can't have a player like that in the NHL. Before Brad Treliving makes any move, do you think they at least give Matthew Phillips an audition? Give him a shot. Well, I mean, he is he's tearing tearing up the AHL right now. Well, well, first of all, I would like to see that. I, I, I would like to see that. Now, I watched the media conference, I guess it was two or three days ago, where Sutter was asked about this. And he kind of poo-pooed yeah. the idea, right? And uh, yes. um, so the, that says to me, like, what it says to me now is that if you're the GM – you're looking at this and you're saying, if I call this kid up, then, then I've got a coach here who isn't crazy about this, and it's not good for anyone. Mm-hmm. That's the message I get watching that clip. And so, like, I do think, I do think an organization should try to reward its people. Number one, it shows yeah. the players in the organization that there is a path for you if you play well. And number two, it also uh, shows um, that you are good at drafting and developing, uh, that you have found this player, you've invested time in him in the American Hockey League, and now he can compete for your team. I think there are a lot of – and the other thing, too, is, you know, Ruzichka – you know, even this year, you didn't get the sense that, that they really believed in him as an answer. He's been a really good player for them. So I, my, my, my opinion on it is give the guy a shot. Now, I think this. I think you have to be able to put him in a place to succeed, Jeff. And, 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 oh, yeah. and, now, and now the other thing, too, is in this league now, every line is expected to score. So it's different than, you know, 1995 when your fourth line, he shouldn't be playing on your fourth line. I think you've got, I would love to see it. I would think that they would want to do it. But after watching that clip last week where Sutter was asked about it, I I see what the problem Mm -hmm. is here. That is an excellent point. Um, We shall see. I know that there's a real groundswell around the kid. I mean, listen, I remember Mm -hmm. watching him in Victoria thinking the same thing. This kid's too small. He's never going to succeed. The Western Hockey League is, you know, big, tough guys. And he was great, and he torched the league. And, okay, well, he, he can do that in junior, but he can't do that at the pro level. 
he's torching the American Hockey League. And they're like, oh, well, he can't do that in the NHL. Like, every time you've told the kid that he can't do something, not that I want to say he's going to turn into Marty St. Louis, but, you know, Calgary had Marty St. Louis. Calgary has Matthew Phillips here, and we're saying the same thing that people said about Marty St. Louis all the way up. Um, I, I'm with you. I'd, I'd like to see the kid given it a chance, but if the, uh, if the coach has already made his mind up, then uh, perhaps if you're Brad Living, uh, it's an exercise in futility. Uh, all right, uh, enjoy the rest of your walk. We will uh, watch for you on the Magic Eyeball tonight, uh, the Maple Leafs and the Dallas Stars. Um, Mitch Marner's 19-game point streak, Jason Robertson's 18-game point streak going head-to-head tonight. Thanks, Fred. You be good. And you know what else I'm looking forward to tonight, Jeff? Timmins and SDA. Uh, Florida Winnipeg? No, Tim, well, that too. Oh, like, well, I'll, I'll, so, here, so speaking of small players, I'm glad you – real, real quick point. Semyon Darabushensev, I watched play in Peterborough uh, in the OHL, super highly skilled. And I remember when, they, when, he, when he turned pro, the first thing the Leafs organization did was they sent him to Newfoundland with the Growlers. And everything that I, got, I heard coming back was, there's no way this guy's going to last. There's no way that, and over the past little while, a couple of seasons, who knows, this guy has completely figured it out. And if he's in a position, and someone told me on the weekend, if he's in a position to produce, i.e., you know, your point about, you know, playing, uh, playing on, you know, on, uh, on a line with slugs, if they play him with skilled players, this uh, Dragochinsev guy, he can, he has the potential to be a pretty special player. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm really interested to see him playing with, uh, well, specifically playing with Nick Robertson, speaking of the speaking of the Peterborough Peets. That one could be a lot of fun. And also, let me just say, you mentioned Florida Winnipeg. I hope Paul Maurice gets a good reception. Yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't end great yeah. in Winnipeg for him, but he did a phenomenal job there. He really did. He, he did a lot yes, of things that, that really improved that organization. Absolutely. Um, and on that, we'll break. 